IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. It's another jam-packed episode full of exclusive interviews from some of the biggest names in the May 29, 106th Indianapolis 500. The fans were back for this year's Indy 500, jamming the Indianapolis Motor Speedway with the largest crowd to attend the race since the sold-out 100th Indianapolis 500 in 2016. It lived up to its name as the greatest spectacle in racing and turned out to be a dramatic race with a new winner in Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing. Scott Dixon dominated the race, starting on the pole and leading 95 laps to become the all-time lap leader in Indianapolis 500 history, breaking Al Unser's record for laps led. But Dixon's day turned into tremendous heartbreak. On his final pit stop of the race on lap 175, Dixon exceeded the pit lane speed limit by just one mile an hour. Dixon's penalty was a drive-through in pit lane, and he went from apparent winner to a 21st place finish. When Jimmy Johnson crashed with five laps to go, IndyCar Race Control threw a red flag to try to finish the race under green. Marcus Erickson's number eight Husky Chocolate Honda was in the lead when the race was stopped. Once the red flag was rescinded and the engines were restarted, Erickson performed a brilliant restart to keep second place driver Pato Award from using the draft to take the lead in turn one. Erickson used a snake-like zigzag move to break the draft. At the start of the final lap, Award went side-by-side with Erickson, heading into turn one. Erickson did not lift, and Award had to to avoid crashing. As Erickson was in turn three of the final lap, Sage Karam crashed in turn two. The yellow light came on for caution. The race was over, and Erickson had won the biggest race of his career. Here is Pit Pass Indy's exclusive interview with the winner of the 106th Indianapolis 500, Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, it's a real honor to finally get a chance to call you the winner of the Indianapolis 500. It's Marcus Erickson, driver of the number eight Husky Chocolate Honda at Chip Ganassi Racing. Did you think you'd ever wake up on the day after an Indy 500 and be called the winner? It was definitely the dream, uh, but you know I know how hard this race is to win, and uh, it is the biggest race in the world. So, like I said, it's it's the dream, is what we all work towards. But um, 
I knew this year I had a good chance, you know, from day one here on the Speedway, we've been so strong. The whole Ship Ganassi team, we've been extremely, extremely competitive, extremely fast. And, and I really felt like either one of us five cars in Ganassi could have won that race yesterday. So yeah, I, I knew I had a chance, but uh, it was still a very tough race and, and it got tough all the way to the end there. You started from the fifth position, and I interviewed you last Sunday after qualifying, and you felt very confident you could win the race from that position. You felt very confident you had a car that could win the race, period, driving for the five-car Chip Ganassi team in the Indy 500, very well prepared, had speed all month. But a few things had to play out first, and for a while there, it looked like it was going to be your teammate, Scott Dixon, that may have the best car in the field and win the race. What was your strategy going into the race and how well much did you want to keep in touch with the lead group before getting into the free-for-all at the end of the race? Yeah, so I had a pretty clear plan. You know, it was my fourth 500 and I sort of seen how the, the race has played out the last couple of years. So I had a clear plan before the race to obviously starting in fifth to run in the top five for the first really 150 laps, something like that. I wanted to be in the top five or top three thereabouts. And starting fifth, I think I moved up to fourth. And then when Rainis crashed, I moved up another position. So I was up to third. And then Alex had his thing. So I was, you know, I was third or, third or fourth for most of the race. And that was perfect. I was just protecting my race car, keeping a bit of a distance, saving fuel, working on fuel numbers. So I knew how much fuel I could save if it was needed towards the end of the race. And just, you know, thinking long game, thinking long game, thinking long game. Uh, and I thought I was in a perfect position then to, you know, be there and fight for the, for the, for the win in the end. Then unfortunately, with, I think on the second to last stop or third to last stop, uh, we had an issue in, in pit lane with, uh, on the yellow, it was a caution stop. And uh, when I was about to leave, Jimmy came uh, in and I had to stop for him. And that lost me from P3 to P8. And that was a really big blow for me because then I thought, oh, this might be difficult to win now because, like you said, Scott was really f strong up front and the McLarens had moved up as well. So that one made it tough for me because then it was tough to get back up. But uh, due to some good driving, you know, picking up a few positions and some really good strategy and pit stops around the last pit sequence, we got ourselves back in contention. And then the car was just so fast there in the last two stints that we could pull it off. On his... Last stop of the race, Scott Dixon came into the pit lane too fast and got penalized for a pit speeding violation. When did you know that? Did the crew inform you that now Scott was going to be back in the 20s rather than the leader and that now the race was going to be determined by guys such as yourself and Pato Award and Tony Kanaan? Uh they didn't really tell me, to be honest. I just saw Scott were gone there. I just saw there was the two McLarens ahead of me and, and I... I understood something had happened. I didn't know what had happened. So for me, I just saw that Scott was not there anymore. So I knew it was going to be up to yeah, me and, and the McLarens and, and maybe TK to fight it out. Uh, but it was the key for me for the win, you know, was, was to after that last stop, I came out right behind Pato and uh, I had to clear Pato before he catched Felix to get the draft of Felix. So I had to clear Pato straight away and I managed to do that. And then I went after Felix because I could see there was traffic coming ahead of him and I wanted to clear him before we hit the traffic so I could try and go through the traffic better than him. And I managed to do that as well. And then we got through the traffic and 
they got stuck a bit in the traffic, I think, and I managed to open that gap so they were not in my draft anymore. So that whole sequence of events was a very big key for me to put myself in the position to win it. And I had that three-second gap and was just counting down the laps and just praying, no yellow, no yellow, no yellow. And of course, five laps to go, the yellow is out. <laughs> of course, the McLarens included Pato Award and Felix Rosenquist. So you're sitting on pit lane, engines off for seven minutes. And as we saw last year at Detroit with Will Power, sometimes when you turn the engines off when they're hot, they won't restart. Were you concerned about that? There is a thousand things in your head and then you're worried about everything. So, of course, you, you were sort of, I was concerned and, and nervous about those kinds of things. But at the same time, you know, I had to refocus. I had to sort of get myself together and think out a plan how to try and pull this off. I, thought, I, I knew it was going to be really, really tough because it was such a strong headwind on the start-finish straight uh, during the race. And I knew it was really hard to lead the pack and stay in front uh, on restarts. Uh, so, yeah, I had that plan in my head and uh, just had to try and go out and execute that. The plan, obviously, was you were not going to let Pato catch your draft. Usually the leader is a sitting duck on a restart, especially late in the race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway because they can catch your draft, pull out on the long straightaway, pass you going into turn one. You did a maneuver that Simon Pagino did in 2019, Juan Pablo Montoya did in 2015 and also Ryan Hunter Ray in 2014 by snaking and zigzagging down the front straight so that he could not hook onto your draft. You, though, look pretty aggressive doing it. If you could describe how the zigzag move came into your mind. Yeah, I mean, I've been studying those races, you said, you know, and, and uh, especially Simons in 2019. I think he did that extremely well, so... Yeah, I, I had that in my mind, and I was actually speaking with uh, Dario on Saturday night over dinner. We were talking about a exact scenario like that. If you're leading with a couple of laps to do uh, to go, what to do in that situation? And we were talking about that zigzagging and you know placing the car on the inside uh, in the exits and entries of the corners to take away take away the draft. So I had the plan in my head. Uh, I agree, it was a bit on the extreme side, but. Hey, it's the biggest race in the world. What you got to do, you have to do what you, what you have to do to win it. But there was one point at the start of the final lap of the race where Pato was able to get to your outside, side by side, going to turn one. This is the moment where you win the Indy 500. If you lift, Pato takes the lead. If you neither of you lift, Tony Kanaan may be the winner today. But you were not going to lift and just... Tell me about that final part of the race where, I mean, that was that was the key moment. It was the key moment for sure. And I saw him getting that run. Even though I was snaking, he had the run on me. I predicted inside. I thought he had to go around the outside. And when I saw him coming there, I was just thinking to myself, I'm not going to lift. I'm not going to lift. And I kept my foot down. And I was happy to see that Pato did lift because otherwise, like you said, it could have been ending a different way. But... Um, yeah, that was it was a key moment. It was very small margins. If he would have been a little bit further ahead on the outside, you know, he maybe would have been able to turn down on me. So it was really, really tight. But uh, yeah, I was happy I had the I had the edge there. So he lifted, loses some momentum. You're on the final lap. You get up to turn three, and all of a sudden the yellow light comes on. And I believe you said after the race you thought oh, no, we're going to have to have another restart before realizing, no, this was the last lap of the race. 
What were those few moments like for you? Yeah, my initial thought when the yellow came out was like, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was another restart coming up. So I was like, no, screaming. And then like just after I screamed, I realized it's the checkered flag we're coming up to. So then like I understood straight away that I'm, I won the race. So it was an explosion of emotions then uh, in my body. And then just realizing that I actually won the race. When you see the checkered flag at the Indianapolis 500 and you realize it's for you, how do you describe those emotions? It's hard to put into words. It's just so much, you know, you think about all the hard work you've put into this, all the tough races, tough days, um, and all the people that's been there for you. Uh, my family was here and, you know, all the people in Chip Ganassi Racing, in Honda, you know, it's just so much people and you everything sort of, comes to you and yeah it was extremely emotional there's a lot of tears going through there as well so it was uh, very very special for me was yesterday the first time your entire family and your girlfriend were at the race probably it was yeah yeah i didn't think about that but yeah probably when all of them i i did miss my one of my brothers wasn't here so i had two brothers and and the, um, one of my brothers pontus he was still in sweden uh but yeah both my mom and dad, my other brother, my girlfriend was here, and my manager, and my backer since I was 15 as well. So it was a, it was a good lineup. <laughs> but a career-defining moment, being able to share that in victory lane with all of them had to make it even more special for you. 100%. You know, it's just it was just perfect that all of them were there to share it with me. It just made it so special to, you know, share the moment, share the celebrations. It was, uh, yeah, it was incredible to to have that uh, moment with them. I understand the King of Sweden has reached out to you. Yeah, I, I I don't know if he's reached out to me. Like my phone has been blowing up so much. I haven't been able to tr go through it, but he's uh, through my manager. He's been sending his regards and congratulations and and, and so on. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very, very, uh, it's, it's amazing to hear that. When you were up on the uh Elevator going up to Victory Lane. What was that ride like? It was very cool. I had Chip ride by me and he was screaming. He's like, you, I know you can do it. I know you can do it. And, you know, you can see how, how happy Chip was. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, you know, you have I have so many snapshots in my head of like yesterday. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it puts a big smile on my face just thinking about it. And I believe the milk you ordered, you wanted the, Holest of the whole milk. Yeah. Why was that? Yeah, it's got to be the real thing. Like, as close to the real thing as possible, at least. So, uh, it tasted amazing, and it was uh, cold and perfect. There's so many great traditions about winning the Indianapolis 500, one of which is the convertible ride around the track. What was it like? What did the fans, what did you hear from the fans as you were taking that ride with yourself, your girlfriend, and with Chip Ganassi? It was amazing just to see all the fans, you know, it's for the fans we do it, and it's the fans that make this place so special on race day. And um, to go around there and wave to all of them, and then that was very, very special for me. And uh, it's incredible to see all the fans there in the stands, still waving. And, and yeah, I uh, I will never forget that for sure. You arrived for the month of May wearing a face mask because you said, I'm not going to get sick this month. You end the month by kissing the yard of bricks. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, that's kind of uh, 
diametrically opposite of each other. What <laughs> yeah. was kissing the bricks like? It was good. It was a bit strange kissing. I, I, I got to say, I've never kissed a brick before, but uh, hey, I'm happy to do it again. <laughs> and what was the celebration like for you? It was good. I mean, I was very long still at the track doing media stuff. So only got back to my bus at like 8.30 and got changed quickly and then went downtown for dinner with my family and, and friends that were here. So that was uh, amazing to just sit down and, and sort of have a drink with them and some food and, and just, yeah, share the moment with all of them. And um, I definitely struggled to fall asleep last night. You've struggled to fall asleep. And from what I recall, you woke up around five o'clock. Yeah. So, I mean, the day's a day you're running on adrenaline. For sure. But... We've only got a couple of days left before we head to Detroit. You're now the points leader, thanks to the fact that it's a double points Indianapolis 500. And being the points leader heading to Detroit, where you won your first IndyCar race, how important is that? It's very important. I think, you know, we had a really good start to the season. Obviously, my crash in, in Long Beach when I was running third, that was 30 points that I, I'd like to have back. But uh, that's how we go sometimes. Uh, but still, you know, going into the race, we were still seventh in the championship and, and now leading after this uh, this win. So I'm feeling good. Detroit is a track. It's probably my favorite track on the calendar. I had my first podium in IndyCar there in 2019 and my first win there last year. So it's a track I've always been very strong at. So going in there as championship leader, it's going to be really good. I'm really looking forward to that. And like I said, I need to... I'm going to enjoy it for another day or two, and then it's going to be full focus on, on Detroit to make sure we're strong there. It's also the last time IndyCar is going to run at Belle Isle. So how special would it be to conclude that aspect of the Detroit Grand Prix as a two-time winner? That would be amazing. I think, uh, like I said, it's a special place for me since I have that first podium and first win there. So I, it's, it's always going to have a special place in my heart, uh, that Belle Isle track. So it would be... Amazing to finish off and, and winning the last uh, ever race there. And what is it about that track that is uh, so challenging? It seems like it's a difficult track to, to pass. It, it is one of the toughest tracks on the calendar. I think it's so bumpy and it's so many different tarmacs and, and, and uh, concrete and everything. So it's really tough, you know, to find the limit there and, and be on the limit. So I think that challenge makes it one of the toughest tracks to drive. And I always like those type of tracks. It's the same with like Nashville and, and, and St. Pete and, and Long Beach, really. So I love street courses and, and Detroit is, doesn't get more street course than Detroit, you know, with all those bumps and then walls everywhere. It used to be a double header. Do you like the fact that it's gone back to a single event? No, I'll do two races. <laughs> <laughs> I love two double headers. So bring it on. <laughs> well, I mean, instead of having a winning streak of two, go for a winning streak of three. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but has it really ever sunk in yet that you've won the Indianapolis 500? It has not, but uh, hopefully in uh, in a few days it will. But uh, yeah, it feels amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm just so happy and proud. And to know that out of the five driver lineup that Chip put together, you're the driver that won. I mean, look at all the big names that's, that's on that team, and it's Marcus Erickson that's the winner. Yeah, that's very special. It's like I said before the race or, or after the race. Uh, I think it could have been either one of us five that could have won that race because we had so fast race cars, and it was a team effort. I could not have done it without my teammates. You know, we worked together all month to put ourselves in that position. Um, so, yeah, it was a true team effort, and I'm very, very happy that I was in the end the one that got it. 
Marcus Erickson, driver of the number eight Husky Chocolate Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Congratulations on winning the 106th Indianapolis 500. Good luck in Detroit, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's Indianapolis 500 edition of Pit Pass Indy. Jimmy Johnson of Chip Ganassi Racing was among the fastest drivers in practice and qualifications and started the 106th Indianapolis 500 in 12th place. But Johnson lost four positions on the start and was never really in contention. He crashed with five laps left in the race and finished 28th. But with his outstanding month in practice and qualifications, Johnson was named Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Johnson tells me about his Indianapolis 500 experience in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Jimmy Johnson, who finished his rookie Indianapolis 500 on Sunday. Not quite the finish you wanted, but what did you think of the experience? What did you think of the race? Experience was amazing. I'm so thankful to have had this opportunity. Um, of course, I wish that I performed better yesterday and had a better result, but that's racing. I learned a ton, and if I have a chance to do it again, I think be, I'll be a lot smarter when I come back. Do you know in specifics with your car whether it was set up too tight or... Because I know that you were complaining a little bit about just the way it was handling. 
Yeah, I really feel like track position was my, my biggest issue. I was a little cautious at the start of the race and lost a couple more positions. Um, and then ultimately, the caution flag coming out when it did and putting us to the tail end of the field, really, I just couldn't recover from it. I could not figure out how to pass cars and get around anybody. You can practice with groups of cars on track, but the actual race has got to be a completely different experience. What was it like being in the center of the tornado out there? I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. I um, was starting to get frustrated once I couldn't pass anyone, but I noticed that that long line of cars, the air was so turbulent, nobody could really pass. It seemed like up front for the lead, cars could exchange the lead, but once you got from fourth on back, it was really kind of single file. Um, if we could have ever spread the field out, I think we could have been some more passing, but we stayed like in a single car you know, line really all the way around the track, and it was tough to pass. You've experienced some of the greatest things in NASCAR, Daytona 500s, Brickyard 400s. I recall uh, Kurt Busch saying here in 2014, you go to an Indy 500 and it'll blow you away. Were you blown away yesterday by just the enormity of everything? Oh, without a doubt. Um, not only yesterday, but really the two weeks that we've been here to see the fan interaction, the experience at track, um, it really is a special event. And as far though, you said yesterday you want to come back and uh, when will you know later in the year about 2023? Yeah, I don't know if there's really a, a date at this point, but um, you know we're, we're just kind of getting into the front side of summer, and hopefully by the fall I would uh, hope to have some kind of understanding. How much better prepared do you believe you'll be now that you've experienced the Indy 500 to enter another one next year? Yeah, reps, reps are reps and always help. Um, I, I definitely know that I would uh, approach things a little bit differently if I have a chance to come back. How are the hands? They're good. I got some superficial wounds, some cuts and stuff from uh, the knobs on the steering wheel. But uh, thankfully, the x-rays were negative and, and I'm good to go. And now rest of the season, starting with Detroit this weekend. How do you look at that course, Belle Isle? It's a challenging course. Last time IndyCars will race there. Yeah, I, uh, I'll just keep building on my uh, performances from last year and, and even what I've done this year and just try to keep advancing, becoming more competitive on the road street courses. And finally, what did the family think of the Indy 500? Oh, they loved it. They had a great time. Well, it was a great time, great crowd. Everybody loved you being part of it. Congratulations on making it through your rookie Indy 500. Good luck the rest of the season. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. Tony Kanan returned for his 21st Indianapolis 500. At 47, Kanan proved he still got it by starting sixth and finishing third in the number one American Legion Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. One of the most popular drivers in Indianapolis 500 history, Kanan hopes to be back at the Indy 500 next year, but with no deal in place, he realizes Sunday's 500 could have been his last. Kanan joins me in this exclusive Pit Pass Indie interview. I know you've tried hard to How forget How can I forget me. you, Bruce? Yes. yes. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indie is Tony Kanan, driver of the number one American Legion Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing. Third place finish in the Indy 500 when you have a chance to reflect on that. You got to feel really, really good about the way the month went. 100%, Bruce. I think, uh, you know, I'm a one-off race. Uh, obviously, it's uh, one a very good team, but the pressure was on the whole month. And, and, you know, I would say this one was extremely special. Uh, you know, we raced on Memorial Day weekend, but since we team up with American Legion and they start the Be The One campaign this year, it was something that it really touched my heart. I honestly never experienced anybody in my family 
with a mental health issue. So that's not something that was a, a cause that was really close to me. But when I start to learn about the veterans and what happens there, I, uh, it touched my heart and it was really special. I'm proud to represent them. You had a chance to uh, stop in and visit a few American Legion posts in the area. I believe you were at the one up in Carmel, Indiana. Yep. What was that experience like to kind of go into an American Legion post and see those guys and in their element? I mean, they all like to sit there and, you know, share war stories. It's, you know, it's something that, like I said, every, every post I visit, um, you hear a different story. You, you hear a veteran, what they did, when they served, when they got deployed. So it's been a, a, a really, really good journey for me, learning what, what those guys have done to defend us. When they introduced your name in front of the huge throng of fans yesterday, every seat in that place was full. You get the loudest ovation, of course. You and Ed Carpenter, two most popular drivers in driver intros. What was it like to finally see that place full again? It, it was probably the best feeling I had all weekend. You know, we've been uh, deprived for that for two years, and this place is uh, its unbelievable. The feeling, the cheers. I mean, even when we went red that the announcer was asking, who you guys wanted to win? And I can hear the crowd wanting me to win. Uh, they always make me feel very special, but it was awesome to have a full house. Buddy of yours, Scott Dixon, dominated the race, led 95 laps, looked like he was gonna win the race. Speeding penalty, took his chance away from winning. Really tough on Scott. When you think of his career, you had a spell like that earlier in your career where no matter how good you were at Indy, you couldn't get that victory. Scott, although he has won an Indy 500, seems to be going through a spell the last 15 years yeah, or so. Yeah, but that's, that's just place, right? I mean, you know, the only consolation is what I told him, and we tell each other every year is, you know what, at least we got one. And then I think that's, it would be a whole different story. We'll be talking about like, your speech would stop saying, and he still hasn't. So Scott has nothing to prove. Scott proved yesterday that he's human, um, but he is, you know, one of the best drivers that IndyCar ever had. So uh, I guess he passed uh, Rick Mears and AJ in the most laps lad. I'll answer. I'll answer up, yeah. sorry. So, I mean, yeah, it's tough. It's almost like the Indianapolis 500, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway chooses the man of the strongest character to test, such as yourself, such as Scott, because they know you guys are strong enough to handle those disappointments, but I'm sure at some point here you want to say, pick me, smile on me today. Actually, Bruce, if you talk to Scott about it, and I, I it, you're right, but the Speedway doesn't owe us anything. He, uh, we, I mean, look at myself. That was my 21st Indy 500. Yeah. Look what the fans make me feel. And the track gave me one. Yeah. So I like to think that uh, if she wants to pick me again for one, one last dance, I will do it. You cannot walk away from this. I just don't think it's within you. One day you will, of course, but it just seems like as good as you are, we know you'll be back in some way, shape or form next next year. Let me put it this way. I, I want to come back. Uh, I don't have anything yet, but you know me, I've worked deals before and I'll be working as hard as I can to be part of the 500 next year. Well, I think the folks at the American Legion were quite happy with what you did representing them. The good news is 
you don't have to do that quick turnaround and go to Detroit like the rest of these guys. Correct. I actually going to Detroit, but to work this time. Uh, I'm not racing, and then uh, the following weekend I I gotta go to Road America, and then I st I'm starting my summer racing with the SRX. But yeah, I'll be more relaxed just watching those guys. Well, he's a true hero, the Indianapolis 500, one of the most popular drivers in the history of this great race. Tony Kadan, congratulations on that third place finish. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Thanks, Pass. Thanks, my friend. It? Always a pleasure. Felix Rosenquist of Sweden had a tremendous Indy 500 in 2022 as the Aero McLaren SP driver finished fourth. That gave Aero McLaren SP two drivers in the top four, including second place finisher Pato Award of Mexico. Rosenquist talks about his great finish in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the fourth place finisher of the Indianapolis 500, Felix Rosenquist. How much did you need that fourth place finish in an Indy 500 to really kind of get back on track and do what we all know you can do? Yeah, I think for a championship point of view, uh, that was a very important day for us on the seven for many reasons, you know, points, confidence, uh, momentum. It was, uh, it was a good day from that perspective. Obviously, leading the race for quite a lot of laps after that undercut, it was... Uh, I actually thought we kind of had it, <laughs> but uh, that red car got bigger and bigger in my mirror very quickly, and uh, and there it went. Wasn't really super happy my last stint with the car. Uh, kind of got a little bit lost on it, but anyways, uh, I don't I don't really think we had much for for Marcus and and Tony. Uh, both of them were really quick, so yeah, P4 will will take it. Um, good points for for the re remainder of the season. Double points too, which really has to help you. Yeah, I mean, I think we're like 50-ish points behind Marcus in the championship, which is, you know, within striking distance. So, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that really saved our, our year, I think. Uh, I think we have every reason to, to look forward to the rest of the year. We're in a good position with no reason to, to stress about things as we did pre-month uh, of May. So, yeah, that, I think we did a good job uh, clawing back to it. Two Aero McLaren SP cars in the top four and all three made the top 11, I'd have to say that's a pretty good Indy 500 for the team. Yeah, I think everyone executed yesterday. Uh, you know, all the pit crews on the, you know, not only on my, my side, but the five and the, and the six car as well. I think everyone just did what they could on, on a day like that. I mean, there's no mistakes uh, from either drivers or pit crews or strategy. And I think that's, uh, that, those are the kind of days that we need. And, and uh, it was kind of a day of just, doing the simple things right and I think that's a, that's a good wake-up call for us that we don't have to do everything 10 out of 10 you know if, if you if you do a 9 out of 10 day you're going to be up there and have a shot at the end of the race now we're off to Detroit for the last race at Belle Isle you had you crashed there in the past and, and had to sit out a race or two because of that what's your thoughts on that being the final IndyCar race at Belle Isle 
Man, I, I, I love that track. I think it's in, in a way sad to let it go because I think it's a very good street street course. It's, uh, it has characteristic. It's always been the bumpiest track of IndyCar. And uh, I remember the first time I came there, I couldn't believe my eyes that we we're actually going to drive on that surface. But uh, but hey, that's that's uh, Belle Isle and uh, definitely miss it. Uh, obviously looking forward to what's what's next for Detroit. I think that's the plans uh, that they have there is our... our obviously greater and uh, will we'll bring something really good as well. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely miss Bill Isle. What was the most surprising part of the Indy 500 for you? Uh, I, I think the most surprising part for me was that I just felt really ready this year. I, there was no question marks. I was calm and confident. And like before the race, I wasn't even nervous, which felt really weird because I normally shitting myself before an Indy 500 and, and this year I was just like okay I mean we know what to do and let's just go do it and I felt like the pit crew was the same they just kind of did what they know and uh, and that was enough to get us a shot to win that was really cool and in our final question with Felix Rosenquist of Aero McLaren SP what was it like seeing all those people back at the speedway Oh, that was amazing. Uh, 300,000 people plus. Uh, I, I think I've forgotten how special that was. It was really special as well to see Marcus winning in front of that crowd for, for our country, a little country in the north, uh, and to fight it out with him in the end. It was really special. I think that's a huge day for Swedish motorsport. And, uh, you know, we actually have a Swede leading both IndyCar and Indy Lights now. So, yeah, I, I think it's that means something for sure in front, in front of such a big crowd. Felix Rosenquist, Errol McLaren SP, congratulations on your fourth place finish in the Indy 500. Good luck this week in Detroit, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you very much. Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta of Andretti Autosport join me for a unique double interview. Rossi started 20th and drove a great race to claim a fifth place finish in the Indianapolis 500. That it was a double points race helps boost Rossi in the standings, but Herta took a double hit with a 30th place finish. The two Andretti Autosport teammates join me for this exclusive two-for-one interview on Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy. That's great. It's Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta. I'll ask Colton, what did you think of his fifth place finish yesterday? That was fun. Um, I got to watch him do it, so that wasn't fun. <laughs> and Alex, Thanks. what did you think of Colton's race? Didn't quite end up the way he anticipated. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it was a, an almost impossible situation. Um, obviously, Andre the Allisport did an amazing job to get a car together, but, you know, it's, it's so tight these days, and, and there's such fine tolerances. Um, it was going to be challenging, but... It's, it's uh, just an unlucky set of circumstances, for sure. Did yesterday's finish give you a little bit of a boost of uh, enthusiasm, momentum, that things can turn around, you can head to Detroit, maybe get back on track? It's also a double points race, so it really did help you in the points. Um, yeah, I think it was a good day in the standpoint of we didn't have anything catastrophic go wrong. We're going to Detroit, which is a place where we've always had a lot of speed in the past, and I think we, we feel that we're confident in our ability to go out there and, and win in Detroit. So, um, yeah, certainly a good momentum boost um, for the week ahead. Now, on the flip side, it was a double points race, and with your finish, it means double the penalties. So how do you feel now about losing all that, you know, the gap widening? Still bad. 
Um, yeah, it's it sucked. It's one of those things, just try to move forward, but it does suck when after the race you look at the points and you go from whatever, 6.30 back to 10th and like 80 points back. So we got a long mountain to climb now, but uh, we're up for the challenge. Going into the Indianapolis 500 in a car that you didn't even have a chance to do a systems check on, I mean, that's got to be extremely difficult for a driver. Uh, I think, you know, if, if the cars were a little bit more, you know, equal and stuff and we knew what to look for for that aspect, um, it wouldn't be a problem. But unfortunately now, you know, without T cars and we're not really running them, it's hard to know what the balance is going into the race. So um, it, it is kind of a confidence knock even before you start. But uh, yeah, yesterday wasn't the day that we wanted at all. What did both of you think of the crowd being back and that whole vibe that we got to experience yesterday? It's amazing. It was great. Um, you know, close to a sellout crowd, and it definitely looked that way to me when I was driving around for the parade laps. Um, it always amazes me seeing seeing everybody back, and it's it's so awesome. Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think the last two years, you know, I've said it before, um, we all gained a new appreciation for what the fans bring to the table for the Indy 500. And, and uh, to have it back this year at full capacity was amazing. And even though we don't really hear or see the crowd in the race car, we feed off that energy, certainly going into the race. And um, the Indy 500 should be the biggest race in the world. And it was a privilege to be a part of it, kind of returning back to how it should be. And as far as your race finishing fifth, what were the keys uh, to success for you? We didn't screw anything up. Honestly, you know, I think we underperformed in qualifying. Um, we knew we had a car that was kind of a, a top five, top ten car. Um, and so it was just about going out there and showing that. And, you know, the team was great in pit lane all day, and the strategy was on point, and we were able to capitalize um, in terms of fuel mileage and starts and restarts and everything. We just executed kind of the game plan, and um, that's, how, that's how the races should all go. And uh, it, was a, it was a good thing to, to do it in the most important race of the year. Quick turnaround off to Detroit. What are your thoughts on the final race at Belle Isle? Colton and I are both going to miss it. Like, I, I love that track. It's one of my favorite street courses. Um, we've both, you know, had a lot of, of performance there in the past couple of years. And, you know, if, if Andretti Autosport doesn't come away with, uh, with a win this weekend in the final Final outing of Belle Isle is going to be a disappointment because I think we definitely have the cars to beat. Colton? Yeah, I mean, it's you never really get a street circuit that has that many fast corners at that rate of speed. So, um, yeah, and it's always challenging. You have to be inch perfect with all the bumps. It's very easy to clip walls, and everybody always brings extra toe links to pit lane every time you go out. So, it's it's yeah, it's a race that I wish wasn't changing uh, because I do love it so much, and we're also really good there. Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. Elio Castronembas was a major storyline entering the 106th Indianapolis 500 as he was attempting to become the first five-time winner of the Indy 500. He started 27th and raced all the way to a seventh-place finish. Castroneves tells me how he did it on this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is a four-time winner of the Indianapolis 500. It's Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing. 
Not quite the day you expected in your Drive for Five, but we know you'll be back for the Drive for Five again next year. Basically, was it a matter of just starting so far deep in the pack? Yes, great uh, observation. Obviously, it's not only about starting the back. I tell you what, all, all month we were fighting for at the least, you know, two mile an hour, but I was asking at least for one that I could compete with those guys. Unfortunately, that mile an hour, believe it or not, was missing a little bit and, and took me a little longer to, uh, to uh, go through the field, especially when there was no, not many yellows. When the yellows start happening, that's when we start making our moves quite a lot. So it was difficult, but the car was a great balance. We literally passed probably 18 cars um, uh, together with the pits and me executing on the track. So that shows no question that, that we had a good car, but the speed was a little bit uh, uh, missing a little in that area. The fact that you were able to race your way through the field and get into the top 10, just how satisfying is that? And a lot of times drivers say their best races are races that they don't win. That's a great observation, Bruce. I thought I execute every little decision uh, and believe it or not, the small decisions was a huge able to make those moves that I need to move. I took the aggressive way when I needed. Um, it was incredible. Uh, I, I do believe it was, um, it was one of the best races, obviously, at Indianapolis without making any mistakes. You said the car was a little bit off on speed, so because of that, would you have been able to have raced with Scott and Connor and Pato and those guys that were up in the front? most of the day if you had started closer to the Absolutely. front. Absolutely. You know, I could follow. I might have not be able to pass it. In the end, we just end up right behind Connor, uh, and I probably would have made it happen. The track was actually coming to me, which was great. Uh, the car was actually, as I said, it was same car as last year, but again, just a just few mile an hour slow. So when you're that far back in the field, what is the start like? Because that was the deepest you've ever started here. That's correct. It was tough. It was absolutely tough. The momentum was uh, was not right. There was a lot of buffeting in the air, obviously. And uh, But like I said, my car was really good. I was able to take it easy, not trying to be uh, too desperate and making unnecessary uh, risks. And, and in the end, yeah, that was a perfect pace for us. You were a major storyline most of the month. Your picture was everywhere in Indianapolis everywhere at the Speedway. You got a huge ovation from the crowd. What was it like to walk out there at driver intros and see all those seats full of fans? I have to say, it was, it was nerve-wracking. Um, uh, and I heard when, uh, obviously, my name was uh, on the uh, introduction, and it was, um, it was special. I had to refocus my, myself, you know, but said, hey, I, gotta, I can't think about those things. But it was really energetic. Uh, the fans are absolutely incredible. Having over 300,000 people here, we lost a little bit of the sense after the pandemic because, uh, you know, last year was 150,000 people and now 300,000, you're like, whoa, this is a lot of people. So it was absolutely incredible. Great job, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And um, I was just um, happy to, uh, to be in another race. And you also shared the moment with your family up there on the step and driver introductions. How special was that? Yeah, that was great. You know, having my wife, my daughter here, uh, even my dad and everybody else was, uh, was here too. So it was really cool. So we had a phenomenal time and uh, yeah, it was, great to, uh, it was great to be back. Well, we know the Drive for Five will be back in 2023. 
Now it's off to Detroit. Last race at Belle Isle, which was the site of your first victory and where Spider-Man started. That's right. That where Spider-Man was born. And I'm um, so happy that uh, we were able to, um, to capture that win. I'll miss a lot Detroit, but I'm so glad I'll be back. Last year, I wasn't able to be part of it. Looking forward to an amazing race this year. Elio Castronemas, good luck the rest of the season. You'll be on the show again. Oh, I got to point out, our good luck omen nearly worked out. For the second year in a row, we bumped into each other at St. Elmo Steakhouse in Indianapolis. When you saw me, did you think, hey, I'm going to win the race? I was very excited when we bumped into each other without actually uh, talking, so it was really good. That was great to see you, my friend. Well, it's nice to know that some people can actually get excited when they see me, so... <laughs> Hello, Castro Navas. Good luck rest of the way. You'll be back on the show later this season. Thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, buddy. Santino Ferrucci was one of the Indianapolis 500 one-off drivers in the field, and he excelled in Sunday's race. Ferrucci drove for Dreyer and Reinbold in the screaming Sicilian pizza Chevrolet and finished 10th. The young Ferrucci continues to search for a full-time IndyCar ride and tells me why he deserves to be in the series full-time in this Pit Pass Indy exclusive interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the screaming Sicilian himself, Santino Ferrucci, drove the dryer and Reinbold Chevrolet to a 10th place finish. You've raced in this race now, I believe, four times. You've had great finishes each time. It's time we get you in this series full time. I know four, four, five hundreds, four top tens. Uh, I think my last of so my last seven races in the series, I've had six top ten finishes or something like that. So it's been it's been good. I mean, I'm trying to come back full time next year, but uh, we'll see what happens. As far though as the Dreyer and Reinbold car that you uh, had, what was it that worked so well for you this time? I mean, we just had a lot of fun, to be honest with you. Being an Indian only team, we didn't feel huge pressure. We didn't feel like this big weight on our shoulders. We just wanted to enjoy it. I got, the guys were super hyped up on race day. They crushed it in pit lane. The energy was flowing and man, we just, we had a good time. We did it, we partied like it was our last day at the track and I, I can't complain. When you think about how well you did in the Ray Hall Letterman Landgren car last year and then they went with a guy Basically, off his qualification performance in one race, that's got to leave a little bit of a bitter feeling in you, doesn't it? I mean, I think they had they had their reasons. Um, I don't blame them at all for what they did. Uh, like I said, I thought I, I thought I was getting the ride. I think a lot of people thought I was going to be back full time with Ray Hall. Um, but you know, just the tree didn't shake out that way. I'm still thankful for the opportunity that they gave me because I got to showcase my talent and then one of their cars, and we did a hell of a job and. You know, hopefully we can get a full-time ride uh, somewhere down the or somewhere down the line with these guys, if not another team. What surprised you the most in the Indy 500 this year? Man, amount of fans. I forgot what it was like from 2019 because that was my first 500, and the last two years it's been kind of you know obviously the COVID years. There wasn't a lot of people. I was shocked yeah. driving around the track, seeing all the people again. Blew my mind. It blew my mind. It, it like it's like nothing ever happened. When you see that joint full, it's unlike any place on earth. It's the greatest place on earth when it's full. I love it. I wish we could have that like four or five times a year. So what is Santino Ferrucci going to do the rest of this season? 
I got a couple Xfinity races coming up on the calendar. Not sure which tracks yet, but um, working on it. And like I said, if we can fill in for a couple drivers here and there, if things don't go well, uh, I'm around. I, I'm going to try and be the super sub. How was the track conditions yesterday? We only had single car crashes, but they all seemed to happen in turn two. To be honest with you, I was really comfortable with my car in turn two. So, but I wasn't very good in three and four. I was a little understeery. But with the wind gusts, I mean, I did lose a car a couple times and one on my own. Um, when it got really hot right at the end of the race, everybody got super loose. And it just got super technical. You really had to be on your feet uh, and think fast and be moving your tools around. So it definitely got really difficult for us at the end. Well, I know yesterday was a special day. It was great to experience an Indy 500 that we've all grown and loved. Oh, yeah. But uh, hopefully you'll be back. Hopefully we'll get a full-time ride here soon. And congratulations on another 10th place finish in the Indy 500. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Ed Carpenter is the hometown hero at the Indianapolis 500. The three-time Indy 500 pole winner started his 19th Indy 500, but had a disappointing 19th place finish. He joins me to explain why in this Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is Ed Carpenter of Ed Carpenter Racing, the owner-driver, of course. You had a very, very high hopes entering the race, great qualifying position, switched pit strategies, didn't quite work out the way you wanted, finished 18th. How do you describe the way the day went? Uh, it just wasn't meant to be, really. Yeah, you know, like the first stint, we were going along okay, saving fuel, kind of doing what we planned to do, and those first two cautions, we, you know, were still out on track when the cautions came, and, you know, lost a little track position, each of those, from people that caught the yellow, um, you know, so that wasn't great, but it wasn't a killer, and then we kind of lost the balance a little bit through the middle of the race, um, you know, we're we're going to be in an okay place. You know, should have been in the top ten. Um, I on the red flag, I stalled it, leaving to go, and then they made us go to the back. But you know, at the end of the day, whether I was eighth, eleventh, or eighteenth, it's really doesn't matter. You know, it, we weren't we weren't going to win yesterday, so we'll regroup and come back better next year. Did they ever give you an, an explanation why you weren't able to get your previous position back? No, and I didn't ask. You know, I, I mean, typically you would get your spot back, but I think, um, you know, they red flagged the race to make sure we could get a green flag finish in, and I think they were probably worried I wasn't going to catch up in time to the pack, so they just wanted to make sure there, there was a race for the win. Hey, John Ross. Now, on a positive note, Connor Daly finished sixth. Lev laps, very racy uh, up there with Scott Dixon when they were portion of the race where they kept trading the lead back and forth. What did you think of Connor's day? Yeah, I mean, he, he did a good job. You know, they, they were kind of on the opposite flow as, as myself. They were catching the yellows and, and got the track position that they needed. And, you know, he did a good job capitalizing on it, led some laps and had a good showing for the team and a career best finish for him. Do you sometimes pinch yourself or sit, step back and go, why me when the crowd gives you the biggest ovation and driver introductions? I mean, it, I, I appreciate it a ton. Um, you know, I think, you know, this is home. We do, Heather and I do a lot here. And, you know, I, I, I guess the community recognizes it. But, 
you know, I'm not 100% sure why they follow me and support me the way they do, but I can tell you that it's noticed and appreciated, and I hope to, to make them as happy as myself one day. So that was your 18th Indianapolis 500, your 19th? 19th. 19th. And I'm sure you don't show any signs of slowing down. You'll be back next year. So what is it about this event? Obviously, it's part of your DNA in some ways, but we always know Ed Carpenter will be part of this race. I mean, as long as I feel like I'm motivated and able and capable of of competing at at a level that warrants, you know, being competitive enough to win and you know, I, I still feel like we're at that level. Obviously, an 18th result doesn't look like it, but, you know, over the course of the month and, and portions of the race, we were right where we needed to be. So, you know, I, I still have a ton of confidence in myself and, and our team. Yeah, we weren't good enough yesterday, but there was only one team that was good enough, really. Ed Carpenter of Ed Carpenter Racing. Good luck when you return to the cockpit. Also, you've got a, a project coming up here in July where you're going to be working with Beth Perretta Autosport. Good luck with that. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. We'll see you soon. And now let's hear from two-time Indy 500 winner Takuma Sato after his 25th place finish. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy's two-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver, Takuma Sato. Takuma, another Indy 500 with a different team. How did it go for you? Well, honestly, it wasn't our day. Um, yeah. We had a, a great performance and strong performance in practice, and uh, it's kind of heartbroken at qualify. <laughs> but uh, we had a somewhat confident or high expectation to the race. But I think... Uh, we greedy too much and then uh, miss out of the window and uh, didn't go well as we expected or as we hoped. But still, it was a great achievement from Dalecoin Racing in entire months. You've had cars here that have handled well. You've had cars here like yesterday that weren't quite up to speed. How difficult is that when you have a car that won't do what you really want it to well, do? Well, basically, I think we we went through the uh, too much efficient, you know, too much probably elegant, shall we yeah. say, that, um, you know, it's not to taking account of, uh, you know, high truck temperature, it's a lot of downforce, tankers traffic in front, all in account, we were aiming too much up to the front, so uh, that was a big lesson. What was it like walking out there on that driver's introductions and seeing every seat full? Yeah, that was a simply fantastic. You know, I mean, it's, as we knew, you know, before pandemic, we completed back to the uh, our usual IMS and uh, Indy 500. So that was a great achievement from organization. Well, you'll have to come back again next year and try for number three. Takuma Sato, Dale Coyne Racing with RWR. Congratulations and good luck the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Our final guest on this Indianapolis 500 edition of Pit Pass Indy is IndyCar President Jay Fry. He talks about the race, the speeding penalty that was issued to Scott Dixon, and other topics in this Pit Pass Indy exclusive interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the president of IndyCar, Jay Fry. Jay, we've just completed a fantastic 106 Indianapolis 500. 
from your viewpoint, how did it go? Uh, we, you know, it was a, a, a great crowd, a great day. Um, we were fortunate, you know, to get the uh, finish the race under green, which is something we always try to do or always want to do, or, or that's certainly always our intention. So, um, you know, overall, uh, good race, safe race. You know, that's that's another big part of the, the equation too. So, all in all, good day. Was there a reason why all of the single car incidents happened in turn two, with the exception of Jimmy Johnson? Was there a wind gust issue or anything going on over there? Um, no, I don't think so. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Sure. I mean, we look back at stuff like that. I don't think there was anything that pointed towards um, some sort of, um, you know, reason for that. No. Yeah. And as far, though, as fantastic crowd, just a few thousand tickets were left that weren't sold. But, I mean, it was like the old Indy 500 of days gone by. Right. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, you think about it, um, the last time we had something like that was probably 2016. And, you know, part of it's people just really wanting to get back out. Um, you know, we've got a lot of good momentum with the series in general. Looking forward to going to Detroit and Road America. Um, it was a, a really good race. I think if you look at the, uh, the, the couple weeks leading into it, we've had really good practices, had a really good qualifying session. The uh, you know, Grand Prix was interesting. It was a little different, you know, with the rain that we had. So um, all in all, really good, really good month of May. And in some ways, I guess your heart has to go out a little bit to a guy like Scott Dixon, who had such a flawless race, but speeding speeding and you got to call the penalty yeah it's it's a black and white call um no i mean obviously he led the most laps yesterday i think he's led the most laps in indianapolis 500 history um great champion you know he'll get another one um when you know the, when it happens and then we basically get a, a notification or race control of what happened you know obviously like i mentioned earlier it's a black and white call and, and again scott will get another one 38 passes, that's a lot of passes in this era. How did you feel about the quality of the race? You 38 passes for the lead? Yeah, well, yeah, 38 passes for yeah. the lead. No, it's good. Um, again, we, you know, there's a lot of data points we look at to see if it's a good race or not. Um, obviously, the, the last two-lap shootout was spectacular. Up before that, there was a lot of good um, action, a lot of good comers and goers. We thought that would be the case with the, you know, it was a little warmer um, yesterday than it had been all month. month so, um, no, I mean, we got a, a phenomenal, phenomenally talented group of drivers who put on a good show and, and they get after it every lap. And now it's off to Detroit where we continue the rest of the season. Last race on Belle Isle. How do you feel about yeah. that? Yeah, it's uh, it'll be you know sad. We love Belle Isle. We're excited about going downtown. Um, it'll be interesting this weekend not having a doubleheader, right? So that'll how you're, you, know, you get into a routine of how you do things. Um, so I think this weekend will seem much different just having the one race on Sunday. But excited about there, excited about Road America. Um, you know, look forward to the rest of the season. IndyCar President Jay Fry, congratulations on a great Indianapolis 500. Good luck the rest of the season, and thank you for joining us on Pit Pass Indy. Thank you, Bruce. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guests, including Indianapolis 500 winner Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing, Indy 500 Rookie of the Year Jimmy Johnson of Chip Ganassi Racing, Tony Kanan of Chip Ganassi Racing, Felix Rosenquist of Aero McLaren SP Racing, Alexander Rossi and Colton Herta of Andretti Autosport, Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing, Santino Ferrucci of Dreyer and Reinbold Racing, Ed Carpenter of Ed Carpenter Racing, Takuma Sato of Dale Coyne Racing with RWR, and IndyCar President Jay Fry for joining me on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane 
for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.